0: Welcome to Let's Keep Talking, a podcast by the Ontario Pharmaceutical Marketing Association. Conversation capsules with the people of pharma, those who have made a mark on our industry, who can help us become better in our roles, all for the benefit of the Canadian patient.
1: Hello and welcome to Let's Keep Talking. I'm Kevin Wilson. Today we address episode two in our series of So. We're living in a virtual world, working remotely from home. So what now? Part two will address our thinking around the implications of our new world uh, at work, and most importantly, the implications that we have to consider related to our culture. Now, building off the discussion from episode one, we explored the new norms and our ability to create an Uber personalization of our working schedules and the way we worked and how we worked to create some balance back into our life. I think Natalie shared with us that it doesn't matter when you get your work done in today's environment, just as as long as you get it done. And that, that will lead us very nicely into the final installment, the third installment, as we understand home, as we understand work, we can apply that to our customers Uh, what they're going to expect from us, most importantly, what we can offer them, maybe uh, what they don't know they don't know, to better serve them and ensure that uh, we provide a great customer experience. So we have back with us today, Natalie Yeadon, to help us get through this. So welcome, Natalie.
2: Thank you, Kevin. Very happy to be back. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah. So just as a reminder for our listeners, uh, Natalie is the co-founder and CEO of Impetus Digital, uh, an award-winning company that understands communication, most importantly, the dynamics of digital communication, and has developed award-winning platforms designed with our pharmaceutical industry in mind. So just, just great to have you back. Great to have you back. From episode one, Natalie, one of the big takeaways was the idea of digital translation to digital transformation and uh you know what I took away from that was in March and April of 2020 as I sit at home and I'm competing with my kids and they're on broadband playing World of Warcraft and I'm in an important meeting like looking like Max Headroom you know hopefully the listeners will will recognize that reference that we've worked through all that now and that we've got an opportunity to really take advantage of it and I guess I guess my first question for you is looking at that, what are the biggest areas generally of, I'm going to call it the transformation?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So as I was alluding to, I think one of the first things that we have done is we said, oh my goodness, how am I going to start communicating to my teams?" You know, I think it's really different when you start talking about people who have genuinely been very fairly virtual already. And that's a lot of times sales teams, right? So sales leaders are oftentimes very used to dealing with people remotely, uh, you know, especially if you're located in Toronto and you happen to have, you know, team members that might be, you know, stretched in another province and potentially even globally, right? So there's people that have already been doing this. But now suddenly you're talking about head office people, people who might be, for example, in marketing, market access, medical affairs, We're used to doing IRL, in real life meetings, and suddenly you're thrown against the wall and going, what are we going to do and how do I do my work? As I already mentioned in in episode one, is we were used to utilizing tools in meeting rooms, so they were already having, you know, something on a screen, but you were oftentimes had writing tools, so on the walls, uh, whiteboards, those sorts of things, and now suddenly those are gone. So what we had now moved is into this synchronous virtual or a live virtual opportunity. But when we talked about digital translation, we were giving people in you know, the leaders or the teams who are you know, people who are running these meetings an opportunity to now take these virtually. So if we've been running meetings all day long, so I know that we were all used to this, especially in pharma, you're going from meeting room to meeting room to meeting room and reading room, and then you're hoping at the end of the day that you might be able to catch up on email or on the actual work that you're supposed to do <laughs> so your day gets extended beyond the eight hour day because now you're working into the evening or trying to squeeze things in between meetings so what we've really done is we just now virtualized the meetings that we are already running now that's actually a good thing um, we have now been able to produce opportunities where you can do online whiteboarding you can actually do breakouts, you can actually do other sorts of things that people weren't normally able to do. So there's, there were some really good things with it. However, we realized that there was a lot of what we call Zoom fatigue. We are now asking people to leverage parts of their brains that we are not used to doing. So when we're meeting people in real life, we're not using certain components of our brain because there's sort of a whole body experience. And we also have these natural energy dissipation opportunities that we don't get if we're back to back to back to back Zoom meetings, or team meetings, or Google Meets, or various other platforms that are available that are live virtual. And so what happens is, or what has been happening in this past year, 20 months, whatever you want to say, is people have gotten very fatigued. Um, They haven't had the breathers that they need. And so we now have an opportunity, Kevin, to do digital transformation, taking away the opportunity of needing these immediate synchronous, virtual, live, having people immediately respond to you type of thing to giving people time to ruminate process and to leverage what we call asynchronous virtual collaboration tools or any time collaboration. So being able to provide people with these tools and online platforms that are secure, that are password protected, encrypted, that you can log in, that only certain people are available uh, or can access. And you can go in there with your teams and be able to collaborate. So they can be portals, they can be various kinds of channels. Google has them, Slack has them. There's all kinds of these asynchronous platforms that are available. So the advantage of this digital transformation is you don't necessarily have to have people respond to you in real time. You don't have to have people in the meeting with you real time. So what does this mean? Well, it can transform the way we do meetings. So one thing that i like to refer to is DASI's, or I'm sure a lot of people have heard of RACI's, where um, you have, you know, who's responsible, accountable, who's who's informed. When I say DASI, uh, it, you know, the the translation to that really is, who's going to be the driver of the meeting, right? As opposed to who's really uh, going to be um, responsible. Just a slight version of that acronym. Mm. And so what's interesting here is we can actually Mm -hmm. have smaller, shorter meetings and they can be stand-ups. And a lot lot of times people in the tech space know what stand ups says. You can just do a quick check-in in the morning. And sometimes these can actually be done asynchronously. So you can actually have a Slack channel or you can actually have a Google Meets And you can just type away what you're what you're working on if there's any blockers happening for you for the day or if you still need these synchronous real-time virtual meetings you can only have the people that really are required who are doing something who are making the decisions Um, and having these meetings when you require consensus or you're needing to remove blockers or challenges or if you need to move the agenda on something very specific and you could also have other people who are informed or who may be needed, but not for the entire meeting, available through the, the asynchronous channel, either through the portals that you have. You know, Impetus actually does a lot of these with our asynchronous tools, or you can actually use Slack channels or Google Meets or other sorts of uh, other tools where people can be on standby. If there's a question that comes up, or something that's required or you need a a document, you can simply type that away to somebody who's sort of on standby and working on something else to provide that tool, to provide the answer, to provide the document. So it's this multi-hybrid world that people can live in and Mm -hmm. it really helps to optimize productivity and utilize the utilizations of people's time. And at the end of the day, Kevin, what that means is people um, can actually do other things. They can have more broader scope lifestyles. Uh, They you can actually start incorporating individuals who may not have to be in your same time zone. Mm. So companies in pharma today may not necessarily have to only hire. For example, if you're a company in the greater Toronto area, you don't necessarily have to hire somebody in the GTA. You can hire somebody in the UK, in Saudi Arabia, in, you know, some other remote location And, you know, you can somehow synchronize your timing using these asynchronous channels. So there's a lot of ramifications on lifestyle, quality of life, also um, availability of top talent that for some, you know, for many people may not necessarily always be available. So lots of things to consider.
1: Yeah. So promises, shorter, more efficient meetings. I really don't know if that's going to resonate with anyone. Uh, Like I I think every company for the last, I don't know, however long has looked at different ways to get more efficiency out of their meeting time, like the people, the people cost of that alone is significant. But uh, again, just um, really, uh, really like you're so good at just agitating thinking and challenging the accepted norms. It actually reminds me of of a book called The Healthcare Heretic. Have you heard of that, Natalie? (laughs)
2: Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, that is a book I wrote a couple of years ago, actually in 2017. It's actually on Amazon or in Audible. Um, you know, in it, it's sort of a deceiving book. It's more about leadership, and and that that's really the tagline. It's leadership for you know it, it for disruptive change. So, it's really just getting people to start thinking a little differently, yeah. starting to seize the moment. Um, you know, there's lots of different things that are available for people to consider. And um, sort of, I call it, you know, putting your art out there and uh, taking the charge, sort of burning the ships and just staying on the other side. And this, there's no better time for this right now with the digital transformation that's going on around us, sort of taking a cause, moving it ahead, and getting your team to rally and to surround you to push that forward. So we're seeing a lot of that happening right now. And these digital transformations are happening at a very high level. Leadership you know, at a global level are bringing that down and it's trickling down and getting people to sort of really think the omni-channel, the multi-channel concept, and what this means in terms of uber specializing, what it is that you're doing and who you're doing it with. So just the same way that we're talking about the way we're doing work with the people in our team and allowing people to make the choice of when they show up, how they show up, the hot, the concept of if it's in real life or hybrid or or uh, a, a virtual version and then giving people those options based on quality of life or preference or uh, their circadian rhythms and when they're most productive we mm. can kind of come up with norms team norms uh, and group norms that makes it work for everybody and then you can see this really high quality of work output And then just, you know, being able to delight and surprise everybody. So that's ultimately what we want to do. Because at the end of the day, we all work, especially in pharma, we're working in, you know, in a knowledge economy, right? We have very high caliber individuals who are working on strategy, working on really smart things. So our most important asset right now are the people. It's the people at pharma that's really driving the cause, moving things forward, building the bridges for physicians, allied healthcare providers, payers and patients bringing them these new ideas, these new tools and then being able to speak to speak and be the example. So when we all think about that the healthcare heretic is that we all are one or another especially in this time is sort of taking that charge, pulling your movement and bringing the people along in your little department or in your area or in your uh, in your group with your customers as well.
1: Yeah, so I'll offer you this is that uh, the healthcare heretic, you know, was provocational, uh, forced me to look at not only what I was doing, but why I was doing it. And, you know, the the idea of the norms and just the way we always did it. So I think it's a great uh, read, maybe over the holidays, uh, you know, you know, people will get to it. I don't know when this is going to air, probably after, but it's worth getting. It's worth sitting by a fire, having a drink, maybe some rum. Uh, And just uh, this, because it did create some good positive task tension in me to examine the different ways. And it, it feeds right into the topic we're addressing. And it's just sort of why are we doing the things we do or thinking the way we think when there's an opportunity in front of us. So Natalie, let me arc from all the conversation about the tools and what the opportunities are. But let's arc that into our cultures at work. So you've spoken about the different tools that we have, it, synchronous, asynchronous, but, you know, the impact on culture may be both positive and potentially things are watch outs, what we should look for.
2: You know, it's, you hear a lot of controversy recently, and I think they're, like you were saying, I love the word that you use, task, task tension. Um, so again, that's the, the, uh, the image of my book, which is really a rope um, pulling the rope and you know pulling on two ends of, of a string or a rope and sometimes the right amount of tension or what you call U-stress, which is positive stress is actually a good thing because it makes us think it makes us, it challenges us it pushes us to get bigger and better so it has put a lot of leaders and managers into a precarious situation and again it's given people an opportunity to do a little bit of navel gazing to look at within oneself and takes an opportunity to reset and ask oneself some important questions. What kind of leader am I? How do I lead people? Now, what I think has been very interesting about the, a lot of the world going digital is let's be really frank. There are a lot of leaders in the market today who have done very well and have accelerated through, I guess, the hierarchy or through you know, the movement up the scale um, just by relationship building. Right. A lot of relationship building is done in real life and there's great networking and just being good to people and you can be a real people person and do extremely well in your career. Now, what's interesting is some of that power has been taken away from some individuals um, because you're not in real life. You don't have that same impact. And it's difficult to replicate that, if you will. In other ways, this has democratized, if you will, power, leadership, acceleration through your career to other individuals who may not have done as well through the people portion of it. And now we're getting into much more of a meritocracy or pay for service or seeing really the deliverables for what people are doing. So in some ways, it's kind of equalizing things. So but having said all of that, some managers really have to kind of really evaluate how they lead. Um, And so how are they going to get people to connect and still be able to influence and motivate individuals to do things? Also, other leaders have to consider about their need to be able to overarchingly review what people are doing on a regular and ongoing basis. Is that important to them? Is that something that they use and leverage um, to get people to do work? So again, you hear people about talking about everything from software recognition software to keyboard analysis, to what people are looking at, when they're looking at it, and a whole bunch of controversy about that. Having said all of that, it's important that there is this trust factor and being able to reset expectations, norms, and evaluation of the individuals that are doing the work. So at the end of the day, it comes down in my personal opinion about deliverables. And now that we're in sort of in this white collar economy and we have to be able to learn to trust individuals based on deliverables. So it's a new assessment of key performance indicators, metrics of success, and also really thinking about our own styles of strategy and strategies around leadership. How are we leading? How are we motivating? So I do think that there's other ways of engaging people, things like virtual happy hours, cocktail parties, online gamification, and getting really creative and getting people to inspire their imagination and to connect in real ways. So much so that I will tell you that a lot of people that I speak to have told me, especially people working in my company, that a lot of them have developed amazing relationships with individuals they've never seen in real life. Mm, So mm. there's sort of a new norm about relationship building, trust building and development of all of these important relationships that we never thought was possible. So um, I think it's kind of turned a lot of things upside down and on its head and getting a lot of leaders, managers and employees to rethink where they fit, what it means to them, how they work with their colleagues and also self motivate and motivate others.
1: Yeah, we there's a couple of points there. We were pulling forward from episode one related to managing outcomes as opposed to managing processes and and whatnot, but just some really strong advice around what we can do with this and just a quick tag on question about you know, I personally find a lot of energy when I'm in the room with people, and you know, I get that's those are the creative sessions, and I say, look, I, I'd like to be in the same room for that. Now, other meetings and whatnot, you know, we can do those virtually, but you know, should I start looking at that and saying, well, that's what I like, and that's when I'm the most creative, or how do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just a really interesting time of reset and rethinking, and uh, in general, because the teams that we build around us, the people that we employ, there's a lot of other sort of subliminal things that happen in existence between people's energy and how they work together. Now that we've actually put in this synchronous or asynchronous you know, digital piece where people are now hybrid or they're choosing to work from home, it's kind of changed that dynamic. So as I was mentioning before is when people are productive, when they work, how they work together, we could potentially see completely different development of teams and who's on those teams in the future, you could actually have the LARC teams. These are the people that are highly productive in the morning, and so the people that managers are going to be hiring that resonate with them sort of have those characteristics. Or you might actually have teams that, you know, individuals who are extremely extroverted and have to be where there's energy, and they're very creative when they work together. And so you'll see teams like that congregate together, and they're the ones in the office. Maybe there's gonna be other individuals who enjoy a little bit more of that personal time and they need rumination or processing. And there's other cohorts, groups or teams that do that. So it's, I mean, the jury is still out on how that natural aggregation is going to happen in the workplace, but there's no doubt that there's going to be preferences and other sorts of things that just naturally divide people and segment them into the right places that they need to go. What that looks like, nobody really knows at this point, but I think there is a natural evolution. And I think we're all really intrigued to sit sort of by the sidelines and see what this is gonna look like.
1: Yeah, and keep our eyes open. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we've run out of time, Natalie, we could, you know, you and I could probably talk about this for hours, but uh, in 30 seconds, can you put your forecasting hat on and and let's let's reach out, you know, a year from now? uh, Where do you think this is all going?
2: I mean, I'm very excited. I've always been a digital person and I'm really excited about the options, the opportunities, especially with people who are really going to be tacking on this. So we are I know that next episode we're going to be talking about how this relates to customers. This is a very key thing. But just as it relates to how we do work and what we're thinking, I'm just excited about, you know, I know we hear a lot about this negative stuff of the metaverse, but this idea of how we're going to work in virtual reality. I don't know if that's going to happen necessarily in a year but lots of people are working on this. Um what how are we going to use for example things like holograms and making it feel like again that you're actually in the presence of individuals. So I think it's going to be a really interesting question Kevin about what does energy mean in the future this sort of the digital Mm. energy, or is there a real life energy and sort of understanding the mechanisms and the psychology of how the brain works. The brain is a really interesting thing when you feed it specific images. Sometimes it doesn't really know if it is either virtual or if it's real. So these are some of the psychological experiments that we're all going through right now. But I'm really excited about VR, um, immersive experiences, the metaverse, and just in general, the creativity that's going to evolve when we mix you know, digital algorithms, you know, intelligence, super intelligence with some of the things that are dull, drab and dangerous and bringing in, in some of the human element and just really see what's going to emerge from that. So mm-hmm. I'm extremely optimistic. I don't see this as a dystopic thing. I'm very intrigued.
1: Yeah, uh, Natalie, thank you so much for spending time with us in episode two, um, identifying just as what what is our work and, you know, some of the, some of the questions uh, around culture, I think we all need to be tuned to. Uh, you know, I, I am in the podcast. I always like to promise that we may not have all the right answers, but you know, I think we can generate enough thinking in people to start asking the right questions and start looking for those things. So, so thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you, Kevin. Really enjoyed the the conversation.
1: You bet. Thanks to our listeners. Uh, as always, really appreciate you. Um, you know, if you have qu- comments and questions, and you like what we said fire those along. If you totally disagree with us and you think we are off our rocker, let us know that as well. We're, we're all ears. So again, thank you so much. Uh, take care and can't wait for next time. Bye for now.
0: Thanks for listening today. The OPMA is committed to adding value to those working in the pharma industry. We look to elevate the reputation of the Canadian pharmaceutical industry as we work together to positively impact the overall well-being of the Canadian patient. If you have questions or comments on today's topic or would like to know more about upcoming podcasts or events, please visit www.theopmaonline.org. And let's keep talking.